Welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast. I'm your host, John Harris, once again, for a discussion that I think will be interesting for all of you. Um, It touches on some of the things that I've been talking about uh, regarding social justice and uh, race as a social construct, gender as a social construct, uh, all all these things we're hearing from more postmodern types in our society. Uh, But but it, it also affects... Uh, those who would, uh, or I guess answers, those who would uh, say that um, all those things are not just social constructs. No, they're biologically rooted, and that's all they are. And we know that neither of those options are really true. And, and as Christians, we need to understand uh, who we are as humans. Uh, what, what are we as corporate uh, bodies, as, as groups? But what are we, more importantly, also as individuals, uh, as selves? And, um, and and to discuss this uh, with me is Joshua Ferris. He has agreed to join the podcast to talk about his new book, The Creation of the Self. Um, Joshua is a Humboldt Research Fellow. He is a visiting lecturer at a number of universities. He went to Southern Seminary, where he got his MDiv, and the University of Bristol, where he has a PhD in theology. And uh, and, and you can get his book on Amazon, and you can also purchase it uh, if you go to the publisher directly at johnhuntpublishing.com and use the promo code Ferris23, that's uh, a capital F, Ferris23, and you can get a 20% discount on the ebook there if you want to purchase his book there. So, um, Joshua, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining me. Hey, John, good to be with you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, we have a few mutual friends, and uh, I actually, I don't think I mentioned it to you before, but. Um, I think Daryl actually told me, I don't know, uh, a year ago or so, it was months ago, uh, about your, your work. And, um, and then I know you mentioned Stephen Wolf, uh, had, uh, you had had a conversation with him and he suggested this would be a great place for you to talk about your book. Um, when is it coming out? It's not out yet, right? It's officially out July 1st in the U S. Okay. Yeah. June 30th in, in Europe. Okay. So uh, what, what, I won't ask very why soon why the difference. <laughs> um, so, uh, so it's coming out in a few weeks. And what are you? Um, well, well, just tell me a little bit about yourself, I guess, and what even drove your curiosity to write a book like this. Yeah. So, <clears throat> long story short, theological anthropology became an interest to me in seminary, and uh, I was at the uh, Southern Baptist Seminary in uh, systematic theology to uh, the course. And we were discussing a variety of different issues from um, anthropology, the constitution question of what it means or what it is that makes us who we are as as human beings. Are we bodies or brains or soul body compounds? And then of course, other uh, questions that I later saw as related, especially given uh, my interests in philosophy that overlap with my theological interests in um, <clears throat> other issues of gender, sexuality, um, uh, sexual identity, of course, marriage, um, ethnic identity, and other group or communal identities that we uh, often discuss or at least touch on in um, theological anthropology. And so I realized then, as I was studying theology there and simultaneously, investing myself quite a bit in philosophy that I really wanted to spend quite a bit of time in my doctoral work on the question of constitution and relatedly the question of the origin of the soul or the self as soul. 
and uh, which is an old conversation in, in church history, as you know, that has uh, kind of fallen um, <clears throat> in recent history. It's become less important. And I'm trying to revive the interest again in that discussion as it intersects or overlaps with other questions in science and religion, um, <clears throat> uh, particularly questions about agency and personhood and um, how those uh, uh, views have been influenced uh, by or shaped by uh, naturalism, um, secularism, uh, anti-theistic views uh, of God and persons. And so <clears throat> anyway, so that became a real focus in my dissertation, my doctoral work, of which I published that, that dissertation. And then years later, I was uh, thinking more and more about um, the theological side of the question, which I published an introduction to theological anthropology with Baker, academic, and then this most recent book, which is really, I guess, written um, for <clears throat> two different audiences. One is for a broader sort of uh, mainstream intellectual audience uh, of, of unbelievers, agnostics about God and um, older theistic views of persons. And then the other one is for just the kind of the broad um, mainstream Christian intellectual who's interested in um, <clears throat> developing a sort of uh, more rich, robust conception of, um, of the person uh, and its sort of worldview implications. So um, the big point of the book is, is um, it's a defense of, of an older view of personhood as a soul or the self as a soul, which overlaps with the, the, uh, um, the claim that uh, there is a God and that God is a, uh, an explanation for the self as soul. And um, the two are intimately overlapping, as we see in the tradition with, uh, within the Augustinian tradition, especially John Calvin picks up on this uh, in his uh, institutes, um, particularly <clears throat> when he's talking about knowledge claims about <clears throat> the intimate or personal overlap between knowledge of self is also knowledge of God and vice versa, which, <clears throat> as you know, gets picked up later on in um, recent history in, in uh, various apologetic discussions related to um, presuppositionalism, reformed epistemology, and these sorts of questions. But the big, <clears throat> the big claim is that we ourselves as souls, and that entails that we are <clears throat> created entities, that we are not um, solely products of biological evolution, um, uh, or that we are emergent products, which is becoming all the more popular these days in science and religion discussions about persons um, <clears throat> and um, or the idea that we are wholly physical beings, which is becoming popular in those circles as well, uh, especially as it's rooted more and more in naturalism and secular assumptions about persons. And then, <clears throat> so uh, this question of course has other implications that we can talk about, but that's the big picture of the book. <laughs> Yeah, very nice. Um, so, so what is the self? Where did it come from? Uh, those are the questions that are on the table. 
Where do you see blatant errors uh, that uh, on this question in our day to day lives? Uh, I mentioned, of course, the, the social construct um, idea, but uh, where do you see that your ideas, or the biblical understanding, the, the theologically uh, conservative understanding of this is challenged? <clears throat> yeah. So <clears throat> I think there's been a wide a reception of a, a, a different, um, a number of views that take this, um, <clears throat> that almost explicitly or ex- wholly exclude any notion of a self as soul, that we are souls. Um, that's becoming altogether unpopular, not just in, um, <clears throat> in a wider secular academic context, but also in Christian context as the soul has come under fire for, uh, especially the last 10, 20 years, and there's been a recent flurry of of literature on this subject um, from uh, biblical scholars to uh, theological scholars as well as philosophers who are rejecting any notion of the soul and the soul's sort of intimate connection to God or to some sort of theism, which was prominent in the ancient world <clears throat> and prob- prominent through the likes of Augustine and Aquinas. But <clears throat> so we're seeing that rejection simultaneous with that in the wider culture. We're seeing an outright rejection of not only the soul, but a self in general. And <clears throat> we're seeing re-visionings um, or re-envisionings of selves as wholly autonomous beings that are uh, wholly uh, physical. Um, but we're also seeing um, other views that suggests that we are uh, unstable beings through and through, that there is no stability to the self and that there is no persistence of the self. So the self that you are today isn't the self that you are tomorrow. That is wholly um, um, changeable. And and um, Brian Lowry um, has recently uh, been promoting this sort of position he's a psychologist and this sort of view is becoming somewhat prominent in, in psychology uh, at uh, Stanford university. And so he's been pushing this sort of view, uh, the self, the social creation of you, which he says that you are wholly a social construction or social creation through and through. And that um, there is no stable you, you are basically just hats that you put on or positions that you fill or occupations that you assume in your life. There is no stable self, in other words, that endures through time or persists. So you can see very quickly how uh, what this might do to the question of dignity and how we understand the dignified person or how we might understand responsibility And if there is a stable self that undergirds any sort of responsibility that we can attribute or predicate responsibility uh, of action to a person, but rather we are the construction of our community around us. Um, And you might say that there's some, some plausibility in that view at some, some level, but I think the whole denial or rejection of the self, uh, certainly the soul, but a self as soul that is a stable entity that um, is responsible, that has dignity uh, given to it by God as an Imago Dei bearer. 
um, those sorts of ideas are becoming altogether um, antiquated, <clears throat> like the the notion of the soul itself, which is be, has become largely an antiquated idea, uh, which I think is is problematic, and we need to retrieve those ideas. Yeah, what what are some of the pitfalls then that you see coming? Like the, uh, uh, I don't know, the, the dangers of uh, rejecting this the, the true view of of the self as this. Uh, Imago Dei uh, with dignity from God and then embracing, um, for instance, the idea that we're just a product of our community. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I think um, if we're talking in the um, uh, Christian realm, I think uh, some of the uh, dangers include um, not only a stable notion of identity that we can predicate identity to, that we can uh, predicate responsibility and action to, uh, but also um, <clears throat> stable other stable identities uh, like um, gender, sexuality, um, uh, and um, and uh, well, ethnicity and community. These are all important factors. In <clears throat> my intro book, I don't talk about this really in the creation of self. In my introduction to theological anthropology, I make a distinction between personal, strict personal identity that we we can identify the person, that there is a person, um, and this is fundamental to how we make sense of morality in the world. But it's also fundamental to um, <clears throat> how we uh, make sense of action, responsibility, and um, identity over time. But then, relatedly and importantly, um, narrative identity. Uh, which I think of as contingent identities, um, <clears throat> but nonetheless altogether important. And there are different levels of importance of our own contingent identities. Um, contingent identities being like the communities that we um, are connected to um, at a deeper level, the communities that we are connected to by way of our origins, namely our family. <clears throat> um, contingent identities, um, that we're connected to uh, at a deeper level, namely the church, if we've been baptized in the church and we've had faith and we're partaking of the Lord's Supper and those sorts of things. Um, but then other identities as well uh, that would be included would be, that would have a deep sort of impression on who we are that are um, uh, uh, not um, something that is so feeble or, um, uh, that that fluctuates so much um, as if we could take take our hat on and off, but that is like gender, and um, gender is rooted in biological sex. If we take biology to be somehow determinative of our identity, um, <clears throat> that's obviously a question right now in the wider culture, but it's a question even in the Christian culture right now <clears throat> as we're thinking about these things afresh. And as we're um, arguably drifting on these sorts of issues, what role does biology play in determining um, our social arrangements and orderings in, in the world? Let me get specific here because you're mentioning something that uh, I think is, is fairly interesting. Um, one of the right-wing critiques of uh, the gender ideology 
that we see around us is that, hey, you're a man or you're a woman based upon the fact that you have certain chromosomes or certain parts of your body, right? And and the retort, of course, from the transgender uh, lobby, I guess, if you will, but that that whole uh, LGBT you know spectrum uh, is that uh, the, the the people who advocate for for these um, the, these the deviancies want to say that no, actually, um, if you experience life in a certain way, that that's determines who you are, and and so that becomes this uh, this interface. It seems like between your um, your experience and the experience of others is what makes you who you are. So if you experience life as a woman, then that makes you a woman, whether or not your biology uh, says you are or not. And, and, and I think for um, especially older conservatives who are, uh, who are just watching things change so fast, they think this is silly. This is dumb. This is obviously, you know who you are because uh, you have certain biological characteristics. Um, it sounds to me like what you would say is uh, that neither of those are completely true. Uh, I mean, obviously, I, I know we would side with those who say that you, you, there's a biological component here, which, which at least tells us who we are, but, but we, we're not reduced to that biology. Uh, so, so are souls uh, male and female? I mean, it, it, maybe explain that. Yeah, that's a good question. So I... <clears throat> This is a common question that comes up to me and 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 sort of the view that I hold. I am I am open to the idea that uh, souls are engendered, uh, but that would have to be based in some way upon biological sex, or it would have to be rooted or related in some uh, some way to biological sex. Um, if um, we as persons ourselves are souls, these sort of stable things that have these properties of, um, well, consciousness, I think, and I have experiences and I am who I am in virtue of, um, well, the soul that I have, uh, the soul that God has given me, the soul that God has created, then um, <clears throat> there's a sense in which um, uh, gender only makes sense subjectively in the context of our biological relation. Um, uh, rooted in biological sex. And I think that is somehow determinative of the gender identity that we do have, that we have been given, um, that is, um, that is a, a created reality itself. It is, not some, it is something that is stable um, and determinative of who we are, um, even if there is still uh, a distinction between the, um, the soul uh, uh, as as determinative of personal identity, I am who I am, and my body that um, that uh, that makes me either uh, gendered as male or gendered as as female. Um, <clears throat> but the the complex arrangement or the compound arrangement of my soul to my body is an important arrangement that um, that that is not. Um, that is not something that can be um, um, uh, slipped on and off like a hat or um, like a face mask, as uh, Brian Lowry would talk about our identities. He would say all our identities, even though he doesn't want to go this far when he's honest. The other day he was talking to Sean Carroll on his podcast. Sean Carroll's a famous uh, physicist, 
who's been um, uh, uh, largely um, has challenged any sort of theism or theistic idea of, of God and persons. He says, um, he says straight uh, when in his honest moment, he's like, I'd like to believe there's a deeper part of me, but really I am just the masks that I put on in society and the meanings that are created from the social constructs of the society around me and the various communities that I walk in. That's just what I am. He says something to that effect. And um, uh, biology is certainly not something like that. Biology is something that is given to us from our origins and from the very beginning of our lives that is um, even if biology isn't permanent um, in all respects, um, it, it doesn't give us, um, it's insufficient for identifying persons, as I argue in the creation of self, uh, that there is something transcendent about the self that points us to God and uh, uh, necessarily requires that uh, God's action in, in bringing us about or bringing about these sort of contingent um, persons or consciousnesses that we are, there is uh, something about our being created uh, from the very beginning in our bodies uh, in a way that our bodies um, contribute a determinative identity or a fixed uh, biological identity that cannot be um, uh, cut off. So um, the important idea is that when we're thinking about gender, I think there, there's been this complex um, uh, <clears throat> ramification uh, from the separation of gender as a social construct from sex as a biological or biologically determinative um, <clears throat> reality. And I think uh, from that, uh, that distinction or even separation of those two ideas, there has been, been this, um, this sort of complex um, severing of, of gender from biological sex such that um, there have been recent attempts to make sense of these as um, gender as solely a, a social construct, in which case, if it's severed from its biological context altogether, then it becomes um, an idea firmly planted in, in, in the air, in midair. There is no objective way to make determinant about your own gender apart from some sort of biological context in which gender um, originates, it, uh, it, seems, it seems to me. Um, so either you have to rely on something like what Brian Lowry says is that um, gender is a, wholly a social construct that uh, the communities create and give meaning to, or you have to say something like this, which is which is what many um, in the transgender community are arguing, that our um, ourselves are wholly uh, separate from our bodies, and in virtue of that, given that there is no, no, they wouldn't say this, but this, um, given that there are no objective ways in which to make determinate gender. Um, uh, gender becomes a wholly autonomous matter that I choose or that I make determinate myself, whatever I choose or want to be. 
So, okay, I, I want to fine-tune this to, to make it crystal clear for everyone uh, in the audience. So um, biological sex then, uh, or gender, uh, would you say, uh, you, you use the term confer or determinative of, would you say that that is, that it is a, um, it accompanies the gender that God gave you, or would you say it's determinative of the gender that God gave you? In other words, you know, is, is your biology um, something that uh, I, I'm thinking of specifically Jesus after he received a new body and we're going to receive a new body and, and those bodies, uh, um, it, it appears that they are gendered in some way, mm-hmm. though they are much different than the ones we have now. Um, are, are these things, um, do, do we look at our biology and say that this determines who I am uh, as far as gender goes, or do we look at it and say this reflects who God made me to be? <clears throat> yeah, well, I think both. I mean, uh, I think the um, underlying assumption is that this is um, what God made me to be, and it's a gift, and we need to take it as a gift because it's a create. Well, it's a creational gift, and so that's the wider theological context in which we mu- we should understand um, our biology, the world we came into, the family we came into, the society and nation we came into. That's the wider context. Um, that should be treated as a creational gift, I think. Um, so there's a lot of theological um, sense, I think, that needs <clears throat> that that makes of 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 our world um, what we came into, despite its imperfections, dis- despite the imperfections of our own families. It is a gift given to us by God. But I think, um, at a philosophical level, <clears throat> I think biology is determinative of gender, and apart from that connection. Um, um, there, there is no objective way to make sense of or make determinative of gender itself. It becomes a, um, it becomes a, a relative idea relative either to the individual autonomy of the person, wholly divorced from any sort of objective um, constraints or objective um, generalities that are given to us in biology or um, society. Or um, it's wholly um, uh, determined for us by um, the social constructs that our society uh, gives to them, uh, to these genders. Uh, so, um, so I would say that <clears throat> even if you believe um, in something like the idea that we are souls that can persist, that exist in in an in intermediate state in the way that like um, Jesus seems to when he dies on the cross, he um, his corpse is in is in the grave and he exists in some form or fashion. Either um, uh, uh, well, there's different theological positions, but that's irrelevant at this point. But um, and then he's later physically resurrected. There is some sort of connection to his body still even during the disembodied state, his body left a, a, an impression on his soul and gave his soul a structure that is, is something that cannot be um, sort of cut off or um, sort of excised in any, um, um, any obvious way. And in fact, he, will, uh, he is raised again, and it seems that there's a teleological connection between his soul and his body that lends itself to the fact that, yeah, he will be um, 
when he's raised again, he's in a similar, similar body. Um, and in that similar body, he is, uh, it appears he is gendered still. Um, so, so would you agree with Carl Truman then? Um, you, you mentioned that, uh, Carl, well, you didn't say Carl Truman, but you mentioned that, uh, you, you think that there's a sense in which we can create our own identities or the source in the minds of, I guess, the transgender activist types that we can determine in, uh, in contrast to our biology, we can say who we are as, as uh, I know we're talking about gender so much here, but it is kind of the hot topic now. Um, yeah. Yeah. And Carl Truman says basically, like, look, we just got to get back to rooted biology. That that, um, and I've, I, I'm sure you probably haven't seen my videos uh, on this, but I've critiqued Truman a little bit on this, at least. I mean, I agree with his conclusion, but I've, I've said like, um, what you said at the beginning, which is that it seems like the people today, at least, who are advocating this, uh, thinking are saying it's all a social construct. It's, it's their experience with other experiences. They, it doesn't seem like it's an autonomous self thing where they just like flip a switch and then that's what they desire. Just, and he uses like the example of um, uh, like free market capitalism where you can just buy whatever car you want. And, and that's like gender. You can just buy, you can just take whatever one you want off the lot. And, um, and I, I've said, well, if you listen to these guys, it doesn't seem like that's what they're saying. They're not saying you can, you have the power in yourself to just determine exactly who you are. It sounds like there has to be some kind of a social interaction here. Uh, and, and, and maybe that's explains why there's such a push for social recognition, because mm -hmm. that's part of why they, in order to overcome the, the rootedness, uh, the fixed idea of there being a gender, um, to make it malleable, they, they seem to want to make sure society reinforces this malleability. And that will, I guess, bolster their, uh, faith or their, their, their idea that, uh, everyone agrees with this. Therefore it must be the case. Um, so, so I, I'm just curious, I, I'm sure you've read his book. I mean, do you agree with, with his notion of the, the problem and solution here being the problem being it's the autonomous self, the solution being rooted biology? Um, or, or do you think differently about that? <clears throat> I am um, honestly, I don't know. I, I haven't read his book. So I don't know the details of, of his position. I would say, <clears throat> and I do listen to your show quite, a, quite often. I haven't listened to that particular show, but um, maybe I should. Um, <clears throat> I would say that um, there, there is a, I, we got to get back. I think we need to step back here a little bit. I think in terms of biology, I don't understand biology itself in a reductive materialistic way. I don't understand. <clears throat> I don't take it in that way. I don't take the biology that we have in a mechanistic way that you might take someone like Descartes to affirm and later appropriations of Rene Descartes as a sort of biological mechanism that's merely mapped onto sort of um, geometry and quanti quantified or can be, um, understood in terms of quantities solely. I think the biology that we do have has a teleology of some sort, a, a purposiveness in other words, that the um, ancients and most of the reformed scholastics seem to have held, um, and that that biology is somehow functionally fitted for the soul. And so um, while there is a distinction to be made between um, social gender um, 
<clears throat> orderings and social gender behaviors, <clears throat> uh, certainly there's a there's a distinction to be made. I, I still think that the social gender orderings is rooted in some way in the biology, but that biology is not physically reductionistic. That biology is somehow transcendent and has meaning. Um, there's a whole meaningful structure that's created and given to us by God in which we interact in the world and marriage and um, with um, uh, the opposite sex as well as the same sex. There's certain governing principles that are related to our, our biology. And so um, there is a... <clears throat> There is a way in which you can conceivably make a distinction between um, social behaviors and um, biology. And so when you start introducing that um, in a philosophical or an ideological way, it's easy to take one and um, make that primary over the other, I think that that is um, can be dangerous. Um, so, uh, but I would say, yeah. So, I would say that there there are traditional norms that were um, we've been comfortable with throughout history of how gender socially interacts, and um, in some form or fashion, it is related to or rooted in uh, the bio the biological context, which which has a wider and expansive, um, transcendent uh, purpose, uh, uh, context that provides sort of a teleology for social interaction, and those cannot be divorced. I think it's helpful, and so maybe you can shed light briefly on me or help me um, uh, place uh, Truman's view, but I think it is helpful to point back to the biological sexes somehow um, the rooted context in which we understand um, social dynamics and how we as as um, gendered beings interact with one another. Yeah, well, yeah, and I, I'm sorry, I wouldn't have brought up Truman if I, I knew you hadn't have read his book, so it's not fair for me. I probably to, should have, have read it. I've been <laughs> told right. to read it several times. Yeah, I, I, I did too, and, then, and there's actually, actually a shorter one now you can get if you want to read it, and uh, I, I think I had like four or five people tell me, you have to read this, you have to read this, and then I read it, and I was like, I mean, okay. I mean, it's, it, it was, it's one of those books like Steven's book came out, right. And everyone gave it a negative review. It seemed like not everyone, but most people, all, all the major evangelical outlets didn't like it. Um, and, and they felt the need to tell everyone that. And with Truman's book, it's like everyone, the same group said, we feel the need to tell everyone that this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And, uh, I don't know, I read it and, and I thought there was some good nuggets in it, but it, overall, I just thought his argument was a little, um, I, I guess weak, on that. Um, and and it, I, I'm trying to pinpoint the difference and I, I don't want to spend all the time here because um, I know there's, there's a lot more to your book than this idea of uh, the self as, uh, um, as it pertains to gender, but, but because it is the big debate um, it's, it sounds to me like what you're saying is, is the, uh, it, you're saying the reformed scholastics and, and, and uh, I guess the reformers would have, when they looked at this idea of gender, whenever they did, um, and Augustine, they, they would have said that there is something biologically rooted about it, but it's not the biological rootedness of the evolutionary biologist, right? Who says that um, everything is determined by genetics. Genetics, you're saying, no, well, it's not that. 
it, there, there is a deeper spiritual meaning to your biology, essentially. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I absolutely. think that's, that's a very important point, I think, to make that, that you're not you can't find really common cause, uh, at least not much common cause with the, the uh, evolutionist. And there are some like Sam Harris, right, wants to critique the transgender stuff by saying, well, this is ridiculous. Of course, you know, we evolved to the point of. Uh, for the sake of survival, having these two genders, which uh, create children and nurture them. And if you uh, deny that, you're just denying science, right? And so I think a conservative can hear that critique and think, oh, that sounds good, right? I, I want to oppose the transgender stuff, but they don't realize, okay, what you're buying into this notion that's against what we believe as Christians about the self, right? And so that's where I'm trying to explore here that uh, I guess right now is that that distinction of what you're trying to say, no, biology, biology is important, which I agree with you, but it's yes. not everything. It's not determinative of, of, of everything. So, um, so I don't know if you have any comment on that, but that, that's where I'm getting at. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I think, I think that's right. So I would say that there are, <clears throat> there are social, um, there are social behaviors, there are social orderings that are important, and in some way they are connected and rooted in a biological context, but that is not <clears throat> physically reductionistic, and that is, um, there is a certain teleological relation between the body that we have <clears throat> and the, uh, the character or behaviors that we have as human beings as well, and how we interact with one another. And I think... <clears throat> No matter what you think about the natural law <clears throat> views or natural law tradition, I think the natural law tradition can help us kind of gain a grasp of, of this and how we can get our, our, our sort of feet um, planted a little bit more. There is a sense in which morality and social behavior um, uh, is related to our biological context and how, we're, um, how we interact in our bodies. Um, and I think that um, in some ways, like so many natural law theorists would argue, there is um, something about our, our, our social sociality that is teleological to our bodies and that we can only have access to by way of revelation as well as practiced revelation in terms of the liturgies and, and um, uh, the, um, the 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 practices that are given to us in Scripture, and I think um, in order to get our feet um, feet established even even more firmly, um, as we move away from a sort of biblical worldview or even the natural law tradition or or what have you, and we start um, overemphasizing maybe biology. Um, Biology is helpful in in terms of like saying determinatively, yeah, I, I think I think this is kind of what you're getting at. And I, I think this is an itch that needs to be scratched more um, and made sense of if we're going to get back to biblical morality, even traditional morality and, and gender roles and, and like more controversial ideas about how genders should interact with one another, how marriages should be. Um, we need to think of more about... Um, um, <clears throat> how these um, these are related, um, you have egalitarians who will 
uh, firmly argue something like we're arguing here that gender is rooted biologically if we're going to make any sense out of gender at all we need to do that right that's important right that's good um i agree with him but then when it comes to everything else um everything else is in terms of our interactions and our social behaviors is up for grabs and there isn't any sort of way to um, <clears throat> motivate how it is that we think about um, the richer context in which our biologies play a role in uh, gender and gender performance or gender uh, social performances and how we interact with one another. And so <clears throat> it's, um, I didn't know we were going to go down this line, but Sorry. it is an interesting line. No, no, that's fine. It's important. I think it's really interesting and important. Um, and I, I don't. I I just want to say on the that I don't have anything prepared here. Um, so uh, um, it is something that I thought about. But um, as I interact with my egalitarian friends, um, there's almost this sharp separation and divorce between. Um, social behaviors and social interactions and biology at one level. And at another level, they're willing to use biology to make sense of, or to um, at least to um, argue against the trans transgender activist and the LGBT community. Um, and complementarians on the other hand are willing to say something a little bit more like, Oh, well, there's, 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 there's um, implications, more implications from our biology that we need to thicken up a bit to make sense of these sorts of things. And we don't need to just throw all of tradition out um, and um, all traditional gender roles out uh, because there's probably something within the wisdom of, that, of the wider tradition that we need to retrieve in order to make sense of how it is that we behave together as 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 gendered beings and and these sorts of things and um and so we can't sharply separate those things and just say everything in terms of social behavior um is up for grabs so it's okay even if i accept that my daughter is both biologically a female um but also gendered female it wouldn't be um, up for grabs that she could start um, dressing in <clears throat> in ways that look like a man, or that if I had a boy, that he could start wearing dresses. Um, right? Those things are not up for grabs. So let me uh, back off the gender thing and let's talk about maybe a wider um, conception. We could, we could use the, any number of examples, perhaps uh, race is another, ethnicity is another uh, category in this. Um, th there does seem to be some truth to the idea that uh, your community does confer certain responsibilities or obligations you're born into, right? And you pick up these patterns and then we call these patterns, at least in part, uh, culture that you uh, have traditions and um, in different ways of living with uh, one another that uh, let's say are distinct. So, and if I were to go right now, if I were to go an hour and 45 minutes South and I were to walk into um, Harlem, New York or something uh, there, I would probably stick out. Right. 
uh, because of the way I look. But there's other things um, that one of the reasons, I guess, uh, that people will look at me and think, okay, he's different is because I'm also going to act differently. Uh, presented with similar circumstances, I will uh, perhaps uh, be more cautious or be less cautious or be more uh, forgiving or be less forgiving or be you know more polite or be less polite, depending on uh, what's presented before me. What, and that is you know, based on what I'm used to, based on my experience in this world. Um, and, you know, this has become, I think, for, for BLM and, uh, you know, CRT advocates, this has become something I think they really want to drive home is that, you know, race is a social construct. You, you are on this power dynamic chart and you can, you can even like map it out. And that this power level, I guess, is what determines uh, a large part of who you are. Um, and of course, I think with intersectionality, actually, it's comprehensive because you can take all the different factors of who you are and chart them. Uh, and, and so it, it, it's actually, I mean, although it's supposed to be postmodern, it seems like actually it is this attempt to kind of bring it into this scientific grid almost of uh, that we can uh, we can look at these things in, in almost an experimental way. And we can determine who someone is based upon a number of these different factors and reduce someone to those things. Uh, and they all have to do with social experience, right? Well, th the truth in that seems to be that, well, yeah, I mean, I am born in a, into a community with certain obligations. There is a culture. It seems to parallel or, or correspond in some way to uh, ethnicity. And I think that's just because, you know, different families are different and you, you, you know, but, um, but, but obviously that's wrong. It's wrong to say that that's, that's all you are is these experiences that you have, uh, especially experiences of being oppressed or oppressing. So, um, yeah, I, I'd just be curious if you could address that because I, I, I see that as the second wing today you have with the gender issues, but, mm -hmm. the, but then they're using the same kind of logic, uh, when it comes to ethnicity or race. Um, and it, it, your, your experiences determine uh, who you are. You must have this certain experience, even if you have the biology, let's say, but you don't have the experience and you're a Clarence Thomas or something, you, you don't qualify. So, so experience is the most important thing. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I think, um, there is a, there are a lot of parodies between the, uh, the logic used in the LGBT community and the race community, as you mentioned, of course, um, um, LG, I mean, this has been a common sort of tactic of, uh, the LGBT community to sort of capitalize on, on race, right. Um, as we know, and, uh, and, the racial discussions as well as the, um, uh, the, the wins in, in, um, in the debates on, on racism and, um, and, uh, these sorts of things. So that's been common tactic. Although, I mean, obviously in, um, in terms of the ra racial wins and, 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 um, uh, and, uh, those sorts of things, conservative, uh, Conservatives, conservative black people as well, would say that um, their LGBT community is using that illicitly. Um, yeah, but this whole idea of experience—I think this is an interesting. I think you're you're picking up on something here. Um, yeah, um, I think um, so. I, I recently wrote this um, this article, um, and of all the articles I've written, it's been one of the hardest ones to publish on, 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 and it's on race. I haven't written anything publicly on race. 
Um, but I think there's a complex set of issues here and how we think about racial identity or ethnic identity, if you make a distinction there. There's lots of distinctions. Obviously, um, Steve Wolf, uh, in his book, he makes a distinction between ethnicity and race. And um, uh, although he was hammered um, as, as basically being a racist, um, but if you read him, it's quite clear. He's saying that at least in our eth ethnic context, it's multiracial. But anyway, um, the um, yeah, there are these complex uh, sort of um, uh, facets uh, of the discussion. And so, in my article, I'm actually I'm actually trying to be very neutral. Now, I have very you know stronger commitments. But I'm trying to be very neutral and just laying out sort of what do we mean by race, racial identity, or ethnic identity, and um, then also what are the, the theological implications that follow from that or the questions that follow from that. Nobody's asking that. All the racial experts, and I cite some of the literature, um, do conflate these, these various views. Um, uh, of course, we might say that race is totally um, irrelevant and just be in radical individualists, as some have argued, in which case this discussion is, is not all that important. But there is a complex sort of interrelation between um, what we mean by racial identity um, as a biological reality, um, as a social reality, uh, or as a social construction in some ways, and... Um, and uh, where it is that we derive our objectivity on these issues. Um, there's, um, there's a complex interrelationship between um, most of the views that are out there, if they're even articulated very clearly, which most racial discussions are not very clear, um, at least uh, doesn't seem to be very clear to me, especially the pop level discussions. Um, if we take race to be a real, um, entity or, or property of persons, uh, a, a real feature of their identity, then um, there, there's kind of two broad camps of views, and that is that it is some sort of biological reality, whether you take that in the genetic direction or the genealogical direction. And then there's the, um, there's the kind of more social constructivist view, um, which you might say, well, social constructions still have a sort of... Um, uh, there's still a realism to them in some ways. They're not like something, and to varying degrees, like I said before, in terms of our narrative identity, some narrative identities have a deeper impression on us and have shaped us in deeper ways that we can't sort of like, um, we, we can't just kind of take on and off a hat. It, it's not like that. It's something that's more deeply ingressive in our, in our, um, in our psyche and in our social um, behaviors, and so, um, but I think what you're what you're getting at now is um, that experience has become my individual experience in in my interacting with others. The other has become also um, almost kind of the um, the primary adjudication between uh, 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 between who I am. And um, and uh, and how I determine who I am, it's. 
Yeah. So, so here's, um, I, I want you to, in the closing here, uh, kind of make the pitch for your book and why, uh, people should get it, what, what they're going to learn that will help them. Um, I've, what I've been trying to do, um, in the course of this interview is to chart, um, and I, and I almost have to like put soap in my mouth for saying this, but <laughs> chart a third way. Okay. So, um, I've obviously criticized people like, uh, the late Tim Keller and, um, his protégés for trying to map out this political third way where evangelicals are supposedly uh, transcend the Republican and the Democrat parties to have this um, th- this different political approach almost that that takes some from one side and takes, I mean, that's how it practically works out. You take some from the Democrats, you take some from the Republicans. Anyway, I'm not saying, I'm not talking about that, but this, but uh, I'm talking about, um, it seems like, and I'm dealing on the popular level. You're dealing on a way more academic level. So, you, you know, you, you can take this any direction you want if, if it doesn't correspond completely to the world you're interacting in and what you're seeing um, on the upper levels. But um, but on the pop level, I at least see there's these two options that you're kind of given. You, you're given either it's all experience Mm-hmm. Or it's all biology. It's all and 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 it's it's the evolutionary biologist on the one end in the lab coat telling you, um, you know, we, we're going to have a great reset and we're going to uh, we're, we're going to have a transhumanism uh, and we're going to be able to lock your you know put um, computers in your brains. I mean, this has great implications. I think the the Chronicles magazine. I think their next issue is all on transhumanism. And and it's I mean straight out of I think a, a Darwinian idea that we're just parts. Um, I even see this with the vaccine to some extent uh, during yeah. the COVID era. Yeah. I mean, it's just we, we can kind of speed up or improve human biology. Um, and so so you have that on one end. And of course, we know that that's wrong, that that's that's not quite right. And on the other end, we have the more postmodernist type, I guess, telling us it's all experience. It's all just uh, how your interactions uh, in the social context determine who you are. Um, and, and I guess, you know, I, I don't really see a lot of the, the old, um, thinking from when I was a kid, I remember people saying like, you could just kind of, maybe there's radical individualism, you could just choose or whatever. I, I don't see that as much now. I see it, it, it. Those are the two main options were presented. And so as a Christian, what's the third way? What's the way that either, you know, takes the, the kernel of truth in these other views and says, okay, well, there's a there's a portion here that we can appropriate, or where we that, that uh, they're getting at something accurate, but it's it's not uh, it doesn't go as far as they're trying to to make it go, um, or or rejecting them altogether and saying, well, these two views they, they don't determine who we are as selves. Uh, this is the biblical or the the theologically correct uh, narrative. Um, that that's I think where so, something like your book is going to have. Um, practicality for people who are listening because they're trying to explain to their children and, and whoever else, uh, their pastors, they're trying to explain to their churches um, how to avoid the two pitfalls. And so, um, so I'll just let you take that ever, any direction you want to take that in. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah. How does your book address that? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I think that's a, a good way to categorize. Uh, there's kind of these, there's experience and then there's, um, biologic uh, biology all, all together uh, these these sort of two ways of, of coming at it and 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 uh, both are insufficient or um, reductionist I think um, I think the importance of um, 
the transhumanist discussions can't be uh, overplayed in terms of their relationship to the transgender community. I think there's a, a strong connection there in terms of um, in terms of uh, creating a whole new order, a whole new world, and um, transgender is is deeply related. I think um, transgender movement is deeply related to the tr sort of transhumanist uh, uh, movement, and um, and uh, in sort of creating ourselves in in our own image, in the way that in our own likeness, in the way that we want to uh, create our, our own world. So it's a in many ways, it's a whole new um, it's a whole new world that uh, is uh, unknown and uh, dangerous. I think what uh, the, uh, my book, Creation Itself, how it interacts or intersects with this in a practical way is this: um, it's certainly uh, drawing on the wisdom of the past and pointing us forward and, and saying, "Yeah, there is a stable identity. Yeah, we ourselves." We are not collections of our own experiences, um, and we are not irreducible or reducible wholly to our physical uh, biology. There's something more to us, and that more is transcendent. It points us to God, and um, and at one level, I think um, there there is a there is an apologetic in the book. Um, that points us to the fact that we need revelation um, to um, to build on on our sort of knowledge of selves, and so I think the direction of the book is saying, look, there's selves, there's souls, and this points to God, and God is the creator of of who we are, and when we when we start um, tinkering with that, we start unmooring from the wider um, wisdom of the tradition that we've come from uh we um well we have we're in this place now with transhumanism transgenderism um gender dys, uh, uh, dysphoria as well as um uh, uh racial confusion where now we don't seem to have any mooring whatsoever anymore we don't have um, we don't have an objective framework by which to make determinate these different identities and how to make sense of them. Um, so I think the creation of self really is um, situated in these wider uh, science and religion discussions and paving a way forward and pointing us to the wisdom of the past that the fact that we are enduring selves as souls and that points us to God as the creator of our being. We um, and that's the framework in which we can make sense of selves that's the framework in which we can make sense of persons and um and so um it directly sort of overlaps with these um other trends that are academic but are also making their way quite heavily into the popular culture in terms of transhumanism and in terms of artificial intelligence and raising questions anew about what it means to be who we are as human beings and whether or not we can manipulate uh, uh, what it means to be a human being uh, through uh, artificial intelligence and through technology. Can we make ourselves better in our own images that we, that we so choose? And I think um, it directly overlaps with that. 
in in responding to naturalism, this whole idea that um, or secularism that um, we can understand ourselves apart from God. Yeah, that's fascinating, um, and and it's important to get grounded in this before we. I mean, we're talking about it now, but it's. I, I think we're going to be talking about it in the next 10 years a lot more than we are now um, as this transhumanism stuff gets ramped up. And I mean, even some of the, the guys that now conservatives consider the good guys like Elon Musk, which is weird to me. But um, I mean, he's talking about putting uh, you know chips in your brain and improving uh, things. And, and there's I, I've already been asked questions even in family discussions about that. Like, uh, you know, is that something that would be a, akin to a. Um, you know, I, I think it's supposed to help people with like Alzheimer's or, or different conditions. You know, is this something that's uh, is similar to uh, traditional medicine where it's uh, ha- helping overcome something that's the result of the curse of sin? Or is this fundamentally changing? You know, yeah. and that's that's a big question. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and moving forward, you know, can, can we put chips into people's minds that are going to you know download information? I don't know this a language. And now I can I mean, this is all hypothetical, but. I mean, there are people out there who think they can do this. And uh, so right. it's important. Um, so anyway, yeah, no, it's uh, the book comes out uh, on July 1st uh, for people who uh, want to check it out. And you can, um, like I said at the beginning, you can go to John Hunt Publishing, type in Joshua Ferris or Creation of Self, uh, and it, it'll be right there. Um, ebook is twenty two ninety nine, but you'll get a 20% discount. If you type in the promo code Ferris23, that's capital F, Ferris23. And um, you can also go to Amazon, though, and get the Kindle or the paperback edition there. You can pre-order now uh, if you want to check this out. So, uh, yeah, Joshua, thank you for your time and um, appreciate it. Hey, thank you, John. I appreciate it. I appreciate your show. Yeah. Yep. God bless. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.